Who makes an impulse purchase for $44 billion? Purchasing Twitter. Current CEO is gone. Elon comes in. Week one is chaos. He fires a huge portion of the team. He names himself CEO. He fires the directors, like the board. Who wants their boss to send them an email being like, you got fired with a meme? He effectively came in and was just with an axe. Like He was just swinging an axe. He was like, I want to destroy all of this and rebuild. Welcome back to The Digital Dive, a conversation about tech. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm one of your hosts. My name is Darsh. I'm heavily caffeinated, and I'm your other host. This week, we're talking everything about Twitter, and specifically Elon Musk buying Twitter and potentially putting it to its grave. Yeah, literally all the drama and all the decisions that he's made, I feel like there's not a place on the internet right now that is like comprehensively broken down exactly what's going on from the pre-acquisition to acquiring Twitter to like what's next. So Honestly, Darsh and I both wanted a place to find that information. So we're trying to become the place to give that information. So if you friends that are asking you about Twitter, hopefully this episode will be like the episode you can send to them. And hopefully this episode will be the episode for you to learn more about it. That's the goal. At the end of the episode, please let us know on Twitter if we succeeded. And I want to give a huge shout out to Ernano. I butchered that for sure, but he gave us a five-star rating. He or she, I should say, gave us a five-star rating. And they said, this podcast is brought to you by young creators. The topics are really well thought out. And I highly recommend it. So thank you so much. Also, my friend that I was making fun of for the folks thing heard the episode last week and was dying about it. So um, just to close the loop on that, I think that's so funny. And ever since that reading that review, I feel like I've heard a million people say folks. Well, it's different strokes for different folks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. And then I'll put them. T- all, right. Um, all right. Well, let's roll the intro and then we'll hop into the episode. Alrighty, so Jacqueline, have you been following Twitter news as of late, like the rest of the world, I guess? Yes, I would say that Twitter is one of my favorite platforms. And so I care intensely about the future of what Twitter is going to be. And also, I feel like as someone in the tech space, a lot of people really love and respect Elon Musk. My personal opinion on him is obviously much more complicated than that, based on like some other news that I like, we won't, we don't have to hop into this episode, but... I feel like he runs a lot of companies that are huge in the tech industry, like Tesla, for example. And so there's a lot of focus on like what he would do if he were to run Twitter. And then also because it kind of feels like an impulse purchase in a lot of ways that he bought Twitter. I feel like we've been seeing kind of the saga unfold. So I feel like this story is best told in like a three-part structure. First part is all the stuff, the drama that kind of happened when he was acquiring Twitter and why he wants to buy Twitter. Part two is kind of what he's doing right now with Twitter, all the different decisions that he's made, the layoffs, the $8 a month check marks, like all of that. And then the third part is where we see Twitter going in the future. So part one, acquisition. Acquisition. So uh, if you guys have been living under a rock, pretty much in late January, Elon Musk started investing in Twitter. And he'd always been a very, very big advocate for Twitter as a platform. He thought that it was potentially one of the most opportunistic or one of the most, I guess, grounded platforms in terms of being able to have free speech and and share your actual opinion rather than having like Instagram or Facebook uh, where you're posting like images, videos, kind of keeping your friends up to date with what's going on. This is more of a place for a conversation to create a discord. And I think that, that it is very well put into like what Twitter, I guess, in its fundamental core was meant to be. But by March 14th, Elon Musk actually had a stake in Twitter that reached almost 10% at 9.2%, making him the largest shareholder in the company as a whole, which is pretty, pretty big because he eventually discloses that he fully plans on buying out Twitter. Yeah. And so he 
buys this steak, but then doesn't take a seat on the board and kind of it unfolds that he's probably not taking like this more adamant position because he was going to buy the company. So he sees them an offer that's like much more than they're actually valued at. So it would be really hard for them to say no because it would be in the best interest of the stakeholders financially to accept the offer. And then kind of over the last couple months, it's gone back and forth a lot. And if he's actually going to keep the offer, because he says that Twitter didn't disclose to him the number of bots that the software um, or that the company had and that they're completely overestimating their user base. But all to say, eventually it culminates in him actually purchasing Twitter. Current CEO is gone. Elon comes in. Week one is chaos. He fires a huge portion of the team. He names himself CEO. He fires the directors, like the board. And now we're entering week two. And what's really crazy about this is we're seeing it all play out live because he's live tweeting about a lot of different decisions and then actively changing what he's doing based on the public's opinion. So for example, initially he proposes the idea of like $20 a month, check mark. And then someone's like, oh, that's too expensive. And he's like, all right, how about $8? And so there's like kind of this like erraticness of, changing on the fly, making different decisions based on public perception. But I also feel like a lot of it's probably calculated and the public perception aspect of it is probably a little bit more to like make the headlines. But I'm sure that like there's a strategy going on behind the scenes. Oh, absolutely. Well, before we get into like the all, all of the chaos, I was gonna say chaotic, but I guess chaos. Before we get into all the chaos that uh, Elon has pretty much ensued in the last week or two, effectively, I do just want to make a point here or just kind of not highlight or briefly go over it. I just want to make a statement. Who makes an impulse purchase for $44 billion? Like, I, I fully get impulsively going to buy McDonald's in the morning. Um, <laughs> I, I, am, I am the worst with that. I have been going for the past almost a month to get sausage and egg McMuffins and a large coffee, literally to the point where the lady at the drive-thru window knows me. She knows you now. <laughs> she knows me. She smiles at me every morning and looks and she's like, she pulls it out. She's like, the regular? And I'm like, yeah, the regular. Kind of like, nice to be known like that. Not at McDonald's, man. Not at yeah, McDonald's. Yeah, valid, valid. <laughs> All things considered. But anyway, this man went and spent $44 billion to buy out a social media platform on a whim because he is just that rich. But even then, he still didn't actually buy it with his money. He was, he's financing it. He put $8 billion down by selling tons of Tesla stock. And then as a result of that, used multiple of his other investors to go about investing the rest of the proportion or while, I guess, giving him a loan so that he could pay and buy out Twitter for the rest. So for $44 billion, he bought Twitter. And when he did this, he effectively came in and was just with an axe. Like He was just swinging an axe. He was like, I want to destroy all of this and rebuild. That was his kind of mentality, which I feel like is a little quirky considering like Twitter's establishment or how established it's been over the past couple of years. Like, it's been a very established company for a very long time. So to come in and with like come in full guns a blazing swinging just kicking everyone out it's a bit absurd yeah i think he is really focusing on is that the business model for twitter is not well thought out is basically his take and so i saw one of his replies back to people saying um well we need to figure out the business model and so we're just going to start charging for things and what marquez said and what i agree with is like it's really complicated to charge for a product that was once free for example, they're charging for blue check marks, which we'll dive into. But it reminded me of this case of Netflix. Initially, when Netflix started, they were like this DVD company. And then as the CEO kind of saw that streaming was going to take off, he initially included streaming in the price that it costs as like a member to just like be part of the DVD aspect. And then you would just like get access to like streaming if you wanted it. And then he was like, oh shoot, like streaming is actually going to be the thing. So he separated the business model and you actually had to pay like an additional, I think it was like $10 a month to get the streaming that was once free and people flipped out. 
like it really upset the customer base because they felt like they were getting ripped off because at one, like this product that quote unquote had no value they were now charging for. And I think the same thing with Twitter, like it's easier to offer an additional service than charge for something that was initially free. I think people are going to be much more turned off by that. And online, a lot of people have been like, okay, so now you're just paying for verification defeats the purpose. So the initial plan was $8 a month verification. If you pay for it, you get Twitter blue, which gives you the check mark, editing tweets, half the ads, more relevant ads, et cetera. And then today they launched the officially official check mark. So it's like, yeah, like it will now distinct, like show a distinction between like the, you paid for it verification and that you're an actual like public figure verification. And then Marquez tweeted that. And then Elon Musk actually saw the tweet and then acts the whole idea. And so it's crazy that the public has such an influence on what he's doing with the platform. And some people are calling it like erratic, chaotic behavior. Other people are saying that this is what Elon always does with companies. And then he like kind of figures out like what's actually needed and what's not and like cuts all the fat. But he did fire a ton of people and then realized that some of them were actually essential and had to hire them back. And that's actually one of the things that I thought was extremely interesting. So when he came into like Twitter and was uh, named himself Chief Twit. I think Chief Wit. But anyway, Elon comes in, fires about 50% of the workforce. Now, this is already a pretty rough thing to do considering the economic landscape of the world right now. We're about to enter, we're entering a recession. And in the States especially, like Canada is taking the, like we are following the US in this. Like the US is kind of getting the brunt of it and then we're taking all the aftermath because our economies are so closely intertwined. So that was one thing I thought was quite interesting. But then for another... There was a TikTok I saw yesterday and it just, while I did laugh and I thought it was hilarious how Elon decided to go about firing these people, it's also incredibly unprofessional to a point of like, this shouldn't be happening. So I saw this TikTok and it was this guy, he'd been working on Twitter for a while. And when Elon came in, he was assigned to a project that was supposed to be crucial towards the growth of, of this new platform, like this new platform that he wanted to build. And so he's working on uh, Twitter and he's, he's one of the, like one big engineer or, or, or a developer uh, on the platform. And he gets an email from HR and it's the new uh, head of HR, like the new head of people at Twitter sends him a line. It's like, hi X. Uh, unfortunately, I, uh, I think it's, I regret to inform you that your services will no longer be required. And then following that was a meme by eat like like there's a no meme being like ha you just got fired like, like something like that and it's just it's so strange because it, it makes so much sense in terms of like his brand aesthetic like who he is as a person that is absolutely something he would do but then if you're coming in to run a company and you're about to fire 50 percent of the workforce the other 50 percent are going to become extremely and i mean extremely on edge by this kind of erratic behavior because yeah. who wants their boss to send them an email being like you got fired with a meme like you're getting fired with a meme. And then he went and posted a TikTok about it. It blew up, got him over like over 2 million views. And what ended up happening as a result of that, Twitter sent him another email. And it was, it was, hey X, we saw your TikTok. And then the next part was a meme again of Elon pointing his finger. And then he looked mad and it yeah. said, cease and desist. Wild. That's how they sent a cease and desist warning to this guy. So like Twitter just seems like it's a very, it seems like a high school kid took over and is like sending firing messages as if it's like a Facebook messenger chat. Like, ha, you got fired. Like, sucks to be you. Like, that kind of vibe. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like, on a professionalism level, on a, on a corporate level, I think that it's just, it's extremely toxic for, like, for a work environment to feel like a, like a middle school playground, almost. I agree, because it's like you don't know what to expect at all. I feel like when you work at a company, like, there, like, there should be an expectation of professionalism. 
And also, like, this is people's livelihood. So, like, it actually really matters if they have a job or don't have a job. Obviously, for Elon Musk, like, there aren't stakes like that. But, yeah, I do feel like firing the engineering teams, like, different departments is not great. And I also read online that, like, there is that he said, like, basically, like, roll out this feature. And if you don't do it in time, you're fired. And I know that that definitely is a culture at certain companies that he runs is, like, this insane level of expectation. And because of that, like, there's innovation. But... My personal belief is like you should be able to be an empathetic, good boss with like reasonable expectations and also change the world. I don't think it's like a mutually exclusive situation. And I think like romanticizing that it is, is like toxic. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when he came into this position, right, like he came in and he is now officially the sole director of Twitter, like he fully dissolved the executive board. So like the chairperson, um, the CEO, chief financial officer, head of legal, everything. He kicked them all out. He is now the only direct board of director on the board. Like he, he's just the only director of Twitter now. So he's come to this point where he's effectively calling all the shots. He's being erratic on his tweet, in his tweets. Like he, he effectively said, he's like, oh, like, I don't think, I think that Twitter needs to be like fully free speech, da, 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 da. And then goes about saying like, oh yeah, like parody accounts are fun. It's cool to see. And then some guy went and made an account and called himself Elon and uh, started pretending to be him. And he was like, he was like, this could cause wide scale, wide scale panic. Wow. I own like seven companies. Holy, holy shoot. Like if this happens, <laughs> what is going like, what, like someone was like, oh yeah, we're going to lay off everyone at Tesla. Like, like those kind of tweets. And he's like, oh, these kind of parodies are extremely detrimental for the people who actually work for these companies. Da, da, da. Now parody accounts have to fall under a certain set of guidelines that he now has put into place, which, which was him effectively going back on saying before that Twitter was not, like Twitter was going to be completely open. And that also kind of switches me into another point of this, which is that Elon took about $13 billion of debt to help him like fund the acquisition of this company that also just made a loss of $221 million last year. So he has a new, he has interest, which will be about a billion dollars a year effectively. And so with this, he needs to cut costs and push up his annual revenues to reach approximately 5.1 billion, like a year or something like that. So effectively what I'm trying to get at here is that he needs to shave off as much fat as possible and make as much money as possible. So kicking out half the workforce is definitely part of it. And then charging for all of these different services because he needs to start making money or else he's just going to go bankrupt. Like he, like, well, not maybe bankrupt, he's Elon, but he's going he's gonna to lose a lot of money on this investment. So I see the urgency of it, but he's, I feel like he's just going about it in such a weird way. It doesn't seem healthy. I think when you run a huge company like this, like it's, I, just, I, I empathize a lot with the employees because I think like they went from having a very traditional CEO situation to like having a startup style CEO where like decisions and things are getting cut left and right. And like, there's not necessarily kind of like a checking system going on. I obviously, I think certain features and ideas are smart. I love Twitter as a platform. So like as a user, I feel like so far I've not been affected by any of the changes, but maybe down the line. And I feel like Twitter is one of my favorite platforms and I hope that it stays good but that's kind of where we're at in the saga honestly we're recording this on wednesday november 9th by the time this episode releases on monday there could be even more like we may have to do a part two to this episode because it feels like with elon every day there's a new story unfolding so that kind of brings everyone i feel like up to date darsh would you say you agree to like where we are right now the only other thing that i would say is like something that he's brought into place that i think we should definitely touch on is the reinstatement of banned accounts. So he does want to provide some sense of content moderation because Twitter's business plan effectively is 90% allocated towards advertisements. So most of their money does come in from ads. And since Elon has taken over, companies like Audi or uh, Pfizer have all taken their ads on pause on Twitter. 
so that mm. they can kind of see where the future is coming from. So he's coming into play being like, okay, yeah, let's do this $8 thing for verification. That's clearly a way for him to try to bring in some extra revenue. He also wants to bring back Vine. He's also contemplating different tiers of conversation on Twitter where you can have people who are public figures having spats, like being able to go back and forth and just fight about different conversations, like a debate on Twitter, where it's only meant for people with verified accounts or public figures or specific categories, which I think could be really interesting. But then on another side of things, bringing back and reinstating banned accounts like Donald Trump, for example, he's saying that he wants to have a content moderation council to be built. That's going to take a couple of weeks to put together. That'll be overseeing account reinstatements to now be put into place. So I think that things like this are what is mostly causing a lot of concern because it's going to effective, effectively directly affect everyone who uses Twitter, who is not I guess a public figure does not have a huge following. So this could be very interesting to see how it plays out. And we'll absolutely be keeping all of you informed as we go about that, because as they, as at least Elon goes about it, because it's going to be a very, very interesting couple months ahead. And with that being said, it's definitely something I found interesting this week, but not something I liked this week. So Jacqueline, I want to throw it to you. Do you have anything that you did like this week? Um, yes. So one of my best friends just showed me a band called 1975. You just found 1975. Hey, <laughs> I don't know where I've been, but the song, I feel like I actually, I've heard some of their stuff before. Once she showed it to me, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. But like, I didn't, I wasn't like an active listener, I guess. But mm-hmm. the song that um, I knew that she also showed me was called The Sound. And it was really good. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, no, uh, 1975, a couple of my friends from high school, like really obsessed with them. Uh, really? The, like, it, like in high school. So I'd heard of them then and I haven't really heard of them since. So I just thought it was interesting. Like I, I hadn't heard that name in a while. Interesting. I hadn't either. Yeah, what about you? Uh, my first one for this week is actually a docu-series on, Netflix, sorry, on Disney Plus called Welcome to Wrexham. It's a, I don't know if you heard about this, but Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney bought a soccer team in Wales. No, two I didn't years know. Ago. Yeah, and so they're doing something similar to what Elon's doing. They pretty much came in and fired like half of everyone on the team or like mostly everyone wow. on the team. And then started spending like millions of dollars to like revamp this club that used to have this huge status where they were playing in the Premier League and they were... Like, I just thought it was incredibly interesting. I'm not a super big sports person. So this was really interesting for me to learn more about the Premier League and how uh, the soccer tiers work in uh, the UK. But aside from that, I just thought it was an amazing docuseries. It was really well put together. Ryan Reynolds is just a phenomenal actor and he's a Canadian too. So I got a lot, a lot of love from there. But this was by far one of my favorite documentaries, I've, like docuseries I've really? seen. Really? Yeah, like, I, I loved it. I loved every single bit of it. It was dramatic, but it was also comedic. And then on top of all of it, it was like following the sports team that like even now at the end of this, at the end of that season one of this docuseries, I'm sure there's going to be a season two. At the end of season one, like I could just then Google the team and see how they're performing this season because this was all last season. That's awesome. It's really, really cool. Gave me a lot of uh, admiration for soccer as a sport. And uh, I'm definitely going to probably start trying to stream their games uh, at some point because I'm definitely kind of invested at this point. But I highly recommend it. Welcome to Wrexham. I love soccer, honestly. I feel like soccer is such a fun sport to watch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great one. All right. My last recommendation for the week is a song called You're On Your Own Kid by Taylor Swift. It's from Midnight's. I feel like every week I have a different favorite song from the album, but this week I'm really loving that song. So what's really cool about the song is that it switches like the phrases you're on your own kid, but in three different times. Like the first time it's like you're on your own kid. She, um, Taylor likes this guy, doesn't like her back. Second time it's like she feels like she's no friends. And so like first few times it's like negative. Like she feels like she's pursuing a dream that no one else relates to. But then the third time, like uh, she says a phrase, it's like you're on your own, like you can do it. So I feel like it like it's the same phrase, but the meaning flips and it becomes like an optimistic song. I've been seeing a lot of like TikToks that are like using the phrase in three different ways. And I 
also really like the song. So I'd recommend. Damn, that's awesome. I I I, I genuinely have to check out this album. I've been yeah, so bad what are you music. doing? You have no, like, to do like, it. He, Yo, like Drake is one of my favorite artists of all time. He released an album on Friday. I still haven't listened to it yet. Like, yeah, if, if I was that, with if, a bunch of people this weekend that were like obsessed with the album. Exactly. So, like, I, like if if that's not an indication that I'm just slacking on my music front, like it's it's nothing personal, Jacqueline. It's nothing personal. <laughs> so all the Swifties out there, it's nothing personal. I promise. I'm gonna get into my music grind back again. It's been a while. Yeah. Are you like driving less? Like, why are you listening to less music? No. So what I used to do was every month I'd make a new playlist for the month and I would go and find new music. So I'd end up listening to all the albums that I wanted to listen to that past month at the beginning of the new month so that I could add whatever I liked from it to my new playlist. And I haven't been making the playlist the last like three or four months since I've been home. So I I definitely want to get back onto that. I I need to get back into some routines that I definitely do miss when I was living on my own. So I I will hopefully have some updates with uh, my playlist next week. I will keep you keep you informed. Amazing. With that being said too, I have one last one just to give one last stuff. I like to yeah. see something I watched last night that I thought was extremely interesting. So I am Indian and Hindu uh, for those watching or listening. And so there is a movie that recently came out on Disney as well. It's a star original. It's called Brahmastra. Brahmastra. I'm okay. fully butch- butchering that because I'm a full coconut. Like I am, I, I, I'm missing a lot of culture from my life anyway. Anywho. Uh, so this is pretty much like the like Bollywood, like India's Hollywood effectively is trying to make their own version of like the Avengers, almost like superheroes, Ooh, but they're based okay. off of Indian mythology, like Hindu mythology. So, That's so um, cool. So they, like India is very much, uh, Hinduism is very much based around vibrations and uh, like cosmic energy that comes from like the universe. And okay. so it's pretty much like these people who have been infused with energy over time, uh, who have like, who have special abilities and powers and are trying to protect the world, da, 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 like that, that entire vibe. But because it was produced by Disney and like they had the money for the insane like visual effects, it was like a Bollywood movie in terms of like its, I guess, stereotypes and the way that it was it was laid out in structure. But it had like the budget of a full Hollywood, like full Hollywood, like Marvel movie almost from what it looked like. So That's I thought sick. It, and they never have good visual effects in, in Bollywood. Like I, I love Bollywood movies, but at the same time, visual effects have been just absolute trash. And so this one was absurd. It was a star studded cast, some of like the top, top tier actors in Bollywood. So it was very much recognizable. And the reason I am suggesting it is Though they do have a version that is fully in Hindi, the actual main version that you can watch on Disney is a dubbed version of it, like an English dubbed version of it, with the original cast dubbing over in English. Amazing! So oh my god! Oh wait, the original cast? So the original cast, because because in India, like we are like they are like English is the second language. It's, it's, it's like an international language there. It's a national language of India. It's just the main language everyone speaks is Hindi. Despite the, because of the colonization by England when India was being formed and going through its economic boom. Everyone in India, for the most part, speaks English, or a lot of people do. So especially the higher-end actors, they all like live in the States or in the UK. So mm. they all speak like fluent English. And so naturally, the entire movie is dubbed by them in English. So if anyone did want to watch it, was interested in checking out some Indian mythology in a movie that also is a musical and a love story, it's a really, it's a huge combination of things. Wow. Uh, oh my God. That, like you're speaking to me. I'm going to check it out. Definitely go check it out. I, I thought it was extremely interesting and it was uh, pretty action-packed. So uh, I'm, I was definitely very happy with that one. All right, I'm excited. That's a really good wreck. All right, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We'll be back 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. We post on Mondays and we hope you have an amazing start to the week. Absolutely, guys. Again, next Monday, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. We'll see you guys for the next episode. And I also want to give a huge shout out, as always, to Adil Constantine for the amazing intro and outro music. And I want to give a huge shout out to you guys for sitting to the end here and listening to this episode. Make sure to go drop a review down below if you want to be want a chance to be featured in next week's episode. And we'll catch you guys next Monday, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. Thanks. Bye. Bye.